1: Inside Sources Inside, Inside Sources Where KSL offers you talk deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. The headlines have always been that the Democrats are the party of the working class, the everyday American, and Republicans are the party of big business and the wealthy. those well, demographics continue to change, are the parties the same or will that change too? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. Well, we're going to take a look today at the Democratic Party. The demographics within the Democratic Party are changing drastically. but We want to look at how that's shaping the party's agenda, the party's priorities and the party's narrative, uh, which is really interesting to me. Uh, There's a new report from the Manhattan Institute that says the makeup of the Democratic Party has changed. Uh, I want to dive into that with Zach Goldberg. Uh, he's a, uh, Paulson policy analyst at the Manhattan Institute. He focuses on understanding the sources of American political polarization. Uh, and this is just deep dive. Great work. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here.
1: Well, let's start with uh, the high level. So, uh, what are the changes in the democratic party? And then we'll dive into what that actually is going to mean in the end.
0: Well, as you uh, correctly noted in your introduction, uh, I mean, traditionally, if you look at textbooks from the 1990s, you know, the Democratic Party was the party of the working class. And that's been true, uh, you know, even into the 2000s, you know, the 80 percent of uh, self-identified Democrats were those without college degrees. uh, And, you know, going back to the 1950s, those with greater wealth, those with higher education, they uh, disproportionately uh, voted for um, or aligned with the uh, Republican Party. Um, now, that's changed, um, especially recently. Uh, you have a long term trend in which the Republican Party has become more outwardly socially conservative, the Democratic Party becoming more outwardly socially uh, liberal. Uh, and, you know, college educated, uh, especially white college educated um, Americans, have always been more socially liberal. So as the parties start taking these diverging positions, you have uh, you know gradually uh, you know uh, a sorting of college educated into the Democratic Party, and this has escalated, uh, especially in the last uh, ten to fifteen years or so, uh, particularly since two thousand twelve uh, with the arrival of Trump, and now for the first time really ever, uh, or at least on in the data, now having a college degree is uh, predictive of identifying with the Democratic Party. Mm. And um, what we see now is that due to this escalation or this acceleration of this educational polarization, remember, it was a long-term trend, and now it's really accelerated. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, this is, there's some reason to celebrate this if you're a Democrat, because obviously more educated voters uh, mean, you know, you know, people that are more motivated, they're more likely to donate to political campaigns. But there's an elephant in the room here, which is that, you know, you have this growing marriage of college-educated whites with the Democratic Party. This is inadvertently exacerbating uh, socioeconomic, and I would argue in this article, thereby political inequalities uh, within the Democratic Party. Uh, and you could see this along a host of measures as, you know, we've seen this, this uh, you know, this increase in this educational polarization gaps in uh, earnings, uh, gaps in occupational standing between whites and non-white Democrats have been growing. Um, and uh, to the extent that socioeconomic uh, economic status is important or is predictive of influential forms of political participation, this threatens to really uh, you know, uh, increase the relative influence of white Democrats in the party. And I, I think that's what's been going on the past few years. I mean, there's a yeah. reason – I mean, the the, the Democratic politicians and candidates are not adopting terms like birthing uh, people, you know, because this is, you know, an issue that's particularly uh, sensitive and important for, you know, black and Hispanic Democrats. Uh, There is a growing, hyper-educated white base within the Democratic Party that are the ones that are giving the donations, that are the ones that are contacting politicians. And, um, you know, this is who they're kind of catering to. Yeah. Uh, And – that, that is definitely uh, – and what's really remarkable is you would you – know, you know, blacks and Hispanic Democrats, they are expected to be the face of the future rainbow coalition. But, uh, you know, with this influx of college-educated white Democrats, they're kind of being upstaged now. Right. Uh, and college-educated white Democrats, you know, they have, you know, significantly higher rates of political participation. And, you know, simply put, those that are more politically engaged – uh, you know um, are more likely to be able to exercise effective political influence and to steer the party agenda
1: yeah and that, that's um, where, that's what I want to dive into for a second is uh is looking it's, it's such an interesting thing as uh, as you mentioned as the the white progressives dominate the the strategy the fundraising and ultimately the the voice uh does this end up being a a catch-22 in terms of the coalition for the Democratic party does it end up uh, with uh, some of the minorities or lower economic uh, voters within the Democratic Party, does it sort of push them into the arms of Republican candidates? Uh, and we'll we'll deal with the Republicans on another day. Uh, but yeah. but there is sort of a natural tension there that uh, becomes really interesting in terms of the party coalition.
2: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold.
0: a opportunity here for Republicans. Um, First, uh, by some measures, I mean, non-white Democrats are more similar socioeconomically to uh, white Republicans than they are to white Democrats now, which is, you know, unbelievable. But, um, and, uh, you know, those that are of higher socioeconomic status, they tend to prioritize kind of more post-material you know morally mm. laden issues yeah. like uh you know like the lgbt stuff or you know abortion or climate change whereas those that are uh you know uh, from the working class they tend to be more concerned with quality of life issues you know right. kitchen table
1: issues yeah.
0: so i guess the risk is is that the more time you spend dealing with the lgbt stuff and i just give that as one example you could come up with others uh you know, the less time you get to spend on these other issues that are far more central to the lives of yeah. the working class who you're typically supposed to
1: represent. Be the champion of yeah.
0: Uh, now I don't think you're going to see a mass exodus of no. non-whites to the Republican Party, but I think that the Republican Party has a real opportunity to pry away a electorally consequential share or subset. Of those voters yeah if they can present themselves as and i guess they they ultimately have the republicans i mean I, this maybe deserves a separate article but they'd have to make a choice do they want to moderate on economics you know become yeah. more populous in economics and court those uh non-white uh voters or do they want to try to ingratiate themselves again <laughs> and moderate on social issues and try to court uh more educated. Yeah. Uh, you know, try to win back the college educated whites. Now, I don't I don't I, I can't see, you know, uh a return to the days of the seventies where being college educated mean voting Republican. Um I, I, I think these, these trends are going to persist. Um but I, I do think that there is an opportunity here. The question is is whether Republicans present themselves as a saner party that cares about those quality of life yeah. and She Spent more time talking about them than the Democratic Party, yeah, uh, or the elites within the Democratic Party. Yeah, uh,
1: it's fascinating stuff. Zach Goldberg, uh, of course, with the Manhattan Institute. This is a, a real deep dive. It, it's worth getting into. It's just so interesting to see how it all comes together. And there'll be a lot of decisions from both political parties in terms of who they talk to, how they talk to them, what the plan is, what the vision. We know what both sides are against, but what are you really for? And especially when it comes to the working class, uh, so critical. Zach, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot. Take care.
1: All right. Again, that's Zach Goldberg from the Manhattan Institute. And uh, so interesting to to go through all of those components. And I don't think either side necessarily has an advantage. It is clearly going to be about who can lay out the better argument and the better plan, the better vision for what can be done. And that's going to be fascinating. We're going to continue to watch that because it's much more than just the headlines of who's for the little guy. It's really going to be who can deliver for the American people and that opportunity society, upward mobility uh, that really makes all the difference in the end. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio,
2: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains.